I was privileged to grow up in a home where giving back to the Lord was just something that was taught, as you were as well growing yeah. up in your home. But I think because of just my personality, um, I really took it seriously about the whole idea of test God. And I remember probably in the most defining moment for me about just trusting God that he, he's got it was I was probably a junior, I was about 16 years old in high school. I remember my mom, talking to my mom, it was my junior year, I had this really, really important banquet coming up. And my mom was just honest and she was like, Cindy, we just don't have the money for like a new dress. I mean, it's just not something we can do. And she looked at me and she said, but you should pray about that. Now, you know, I'm 16 and I'm like, it's like the mom answer, you know, the pastor's wife answer, go pray about it. <laughs> But I took her seriously, and I remember, you know, growing up in a home where I was taught that we needed to trust God. So I remember very clearly praying and asking God, God, I, I really want to go to this event, and I really need a new dress. I really, you know, um, and I will never forget the Sunday that mom pulled me aside, literally it was within a week, and she pulled me aside and she said, have you been praying about that new dress? And I, you know, I was kind of embarrassed a little bit. I was like, yeah. And she says, well, this lovely lady in our church just came up to me and gave me a check and specifically said, hey, take this and get the girls some things that they need. Mm -hmm. And for me as a 16-year-old, knowing just that it had been modeled in my home was one thing. But for me at that age to go, whoa. I prayed about that and God answered. And as maybe frivolous as you may think it is a dress, for my, me as a 16-year-old, that was defining for me. You know, early in our marriage, I, I remember you telling me that story, and I remember us talking a lot about tithing, and so even in those difficult days, we tithed. Um, and uh, then as time went on, uh, when push came to shove and I was watching the money, even as a pastor on staff, um, I began to back off on our tithe. And um, after a, a period of time, I finally had to fess up <laughs> that I had backed off and that was the most difficult time in our marriage. And uh, so there was, a, there was a day that we had to have one of those conversations that a lot of husbands and wives do and uh, to say, it was not a fun conversation as an understatement. It was a very difficult conversation, a very difficult time. And I think what happened is through that period of time, um, the first thing that, that happened with me was that you loved me and showed grace through me through that season. Um, and that showed me something about her heart. It showed me something about who she is as a person, who Cynthia is as a wife. But the second thing is, is that we as a couple had to, to come together and join together and we had to make a decision right then and there um, whether we were gonna trust God. And um, I remember sitting at the <laughs> kitchen table writing that first tithe check and I'm gonna let you tell the rest of the story. Well, even though I learned that lesson at 16, it's still different when you've got two little ones and you realize the financial situation we were in with debt and, and different things and what we were struggling with. And I went back to that whole concept of, okay, I'm gonna test God in this because right now when I look at this, I don't see any way that we're gonna be able to pay for all of this. 
and we started writing that that check and there were times and I'll be honest that we got to the point where there was only so much money left in the checking account to where we were gonna look through the cupboard I was like I don't really know and our children were little yeah. and it was that kind of season and I remember instinctive it was probably within two months of that kind of reckoning conversation that we were you know a day away from getting paid and I, I really didn't know how this was gonna work and I went to my mailbox and there was a check <laughs> that for, for me for something I had done musically that I had completely forgotten about that never got paid for and there was the check. And not only did it cover us going to the grocery store, but it actually gave us a little bit to put us ahead for the next pay period. Yeah. And I was so drawn back to that moment, yeah. being 16. And once again, God taught me faithfulness to test Him. Yeah. I would personally just like to say something to those of you that are considering maybe for the first time giving, or maybe you're nervous or scared or have a lot of fear, especially all you wives out there who pay the bills <laughs> like I do in our home, and you're responsible to manage cash flow for your family and think of the future. There's probably nothing that's caused me more anxiety in my life than fear of finances, fear of not having enough. And even though I was modeled that um, in my own home growing up, it still has become something I struggled with many times, even though I know the principles and I see God's faithfulness, I'm just stubborn. And sometimes I just don't have the faith to believe. I would just like to say to you, test God. Because every time we test God with our generosity, and we started at 10%, and I'm thankful and, and very happy to say that that was the standard of where we yeah. began. And over the last 22 years, we've been able to increase that, not out of obligation, but out of a joy of seeing God provide time and time again. You know, God was really challenging us during the season of All In um, to go to the next level. And, um, you know, Cynthia and I are tithers and, and then some, so, it, you know, it's like, what can we do more? We're, we're not wealthy people. We don't have a lot of uh, things that we can just go cash in and, and, and give. And we've been challenged in during the season to give a little bit more of our income, to give a little bit more back. And um, we've chosen over the next two years uh, to do just that. And it's a stretch, it's, it's a little bit uh, you know, of, of, a, of a challenge and it's gonna take a sacrifice on our part and our kids' part and our family's part. But I'm so excited to see what God is gonna do with that in our lives and in the life of this church and in the life of this community. And I believe that he is going to take what we give over and above our tithes and offerings. And uh, I believe he's gonna multiply it in ways that are extraordinary and remarkable. And I can't wait to see what he does. You know, Cynthia and I share that story um, with you um, just to highlight the fact that here we are, it's week five of All In, it's week five of talking about money and resources, and I, I want to let you know, church, that um, if, if we're truly going to be a, a generous church, if we're going to be a church that's really committed to generosity, then we're going to have to completely 
trust God. And as difficult as it is for me to share that story, that's not easy for me to share, and I know it's not easy for Cynthia to share. Um, I, was a, I was a pastor, and I had backed off on the one thing, the one thing in Scripture that God says, test me on. That's not really fun to admit to my wife or my kids or, or you, but it's the trust part of the story that has stretched our faith and has stretched my faith through the years. I remember thinking 10 years ago um, that, you know, if I just backed off in this one little area, just a little bit, then I can have more control over our financial situation. You know what's amazing about that? That moment in time when I decided to back off and trusting God is exactly the thing that I was looking for. The exact opposite thing happened. God is so faithful and he's so true and it doesn't make money management any easier. That was over 10 years ago and this past Friday we sat down and had a conversation about all in and what it means, and it's going to be a stretch, and it's going to be tough. But church, if we're going to be people who are generous, it's going to take us trusting God fully, completely trusting him. We trust him with eternity, and we trust him with salvation, and we trust him with, you know, safety and, and with our, you know, our, our very lives, um, but we can trust him in this area of finances, this area that is so sometimes difficult for us to understand. His promises are true, true, and we can trust him. And that's what All In really has been all about. And here we are, week five. We've come to the end of it. Some of you are like, thank goodness, we're not going to talk about money. Todd, I'll be there in week six, which doesn't exist. I'm cool with that. I get that. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. It really is to talk about money. But God's word has so much to say about it. And it's got so much to say. He has so much to say about money and resources. Not because, I want you to hear this today. Not because of what he wants from you. But because of what he wants for you. And I believe that he wants something more from Hilton Head Island Community Church. I think that he wants something more from, uh, for us and from us in terms of us trusting him more. And today I want to look at a passage that um, it'll be familiar to some of you that, that really is going to set up this whole idea of what happens when we collectively are all in with biblical generosity. I mean, we've been talking these last few weeks about what it means to, to understand that God owns everything. To understand that contentment comes when we find contentment in him and what he provides and not what we continue to want. We talk about the fact that really it's being able to manage our money, being able to steward our money in a way um, that is, is based on God's word that is going to set us up for success. And if you're here today and, and you're in the place where you're like, man, I, I can't even imagine giving. I can't even imagine doing a little bit more, Todd. Um, I want to encourage you to be a part of financial peace. It starts on March the 11th. It's just two weeks from now. I can't believe that. Uh, March the 11th, and we've got a group of people who are going to lead that. It takes place right here, 6 to 8 p.m. on Sunday nights. I want to encourage you to go online and, and register for that. 
Um, this, is, this is something that 10 years ago, when we were really in this crisis financially, and when we ripped that Band-Aid off, and we, when we began to trust him, to trust God to, to a larger extent, all of a sudden what happened was there was, you know, like a, a lot more month than there was money in the month. You know what I'm talking about? And so financial peace helped set us on a course that gave us peace in the midst of finances, which I never thought could happen. It can happen. Now, I did take it twice, all honesty. I was in the remedial financial peace class, and I had to take it. I needed, like, the financial peace for dummies, and that's cool. I'm willing to admit that. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you're at the place where you're like, I, there's just no hope for my financial situation, or if you're in a place where you want to prevent disasters from happening, or if you just want to know more about um, finances, Dave Ramsey is an excellent teacher in this area, and we're providing this, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that coming up Sunday, March the 11th. Now, now, back to our passage, because this is going to describe what happens when we all as a church collectively are on the same page with God, when we're on the same page with each other, when we're all rowing, if you will, in the same direction. And we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to look at the generous church. But before we dive in, I want to set this up a little bit because it's so interesting what Paul does here. Now, some of you may know that like this is uh, where Paul begins in chapter 8 and 9. He talks a lot about money. He talks a lot about what God wants in terms of our, our financial stewardship. And, and he's speaking, or he's writing, I always say he's talking, but he's not talking, he's writing. He wrote a letter to a church in, in this big city that, that's called Corinth. And so we get these two letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And he's writing to a church that largely, for the most part, is an affluent church. Corinth was a big city. It was an influential city. In most cases, it was a, a fairly well-to-do financial city. And so he's writing to a church to encourage them to trust him more in the area of generosity. And he points to a church that would, or a group of churches that would be the least likely of churches that you would think would give. And it's the churches in the area of Macedonia. And in first century, Macedonia is where today, uh, modern day Greece is, but um, kind of a little bit more the rural area uh, of Greece across the Aegean Sea from uh, this, this place that uh, he also wrote to called Galatia. It's right on the border of Thessalonica, and Paul wrote two letters to the church in Thessalonica. And so he's telling the Corinthians about this church that's located in an area that's very difficult to live in. Um, they have just had a famine. They've just gone through severe trials. And he's telling the church in Corinth, here's the picture, the model of what a generous church is. And in just five verses, which we're going to take a look at today, you see this great example of what a generous church is. A group of people who individually or as a family unit are operating on God's principles with money and finances, working together, the impact that they can have is extraordinary. And here's what he says to the church in Corinth about the churches in Macedonia. Verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have over 
flowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave, in verse 3, according to their means, as I can testify, Paul says, and beyond their means of their own accord. In other words, nobody gave them the money to give. They gave it themselves. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. That's taking care of the Christians in the first century. And this, verse 5 says, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. This is extraordinary. And I, I just picture like in first century Corinth, them opening this page of this great letter that was written to them in first Corinthians and reading this and, and understanding that Paul is about ready to talk about money and generosity, and, and they probably chuckled to themselves. They probably were like, wow, I cannot believe Paul's using them as the example. Like, they're on the other side of the tracks. That's in an area that's very difficult to have any amount of wealth whatsoever. Like poverty was the thing that ruled Macedonia in that day and age. It was, a, it was an in, impoverished area. It was a group of people that really didn't have any way to have any significant wealth. And this is the people that Paul is setting up the Corinthians to talk about? Yeah, it sure is. Because just like Jesus and the widow's might, it's the willingness to surrender. It's the willingness to sacrifice. It's not the amount that God is impressed with when it comes to generosity. He wants us to trust him further. And generosity means that you and I, as people of God, are, are going are to completely trust that God is going to take care of everything once we are willing to let go, to surrender, and to sacrifice. And this great church of Macedonia is the example that Paul uses. I mean, I, when I read this, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I, I see here this incredible um, desire to be a part of giving a portion of their wealth, of the little wealth that they had, to the gospel and to the advance of the gospel in the first century. I mean, verse 2 uh, says so much. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of, what's that next word? Joy. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. How can someone who has nothing or next to nothing, first of all, how can they give in the first place? And how in the world could they have joy in giving? You know, I, I think we pastors, and I probably make this mistake, I probably have made this mistake over these past few weeks. I'll, I'll say something like, there's a tremendous amount of joy that you receive when you give. Like at the end of the year and you're looking at your statement, you're like, wow, it added up to more than I thought. That's really cool. That's the joy that comes as a result of giving. But look at the distinction here. Paul's not saying that the Macedonians were like, hey, we got that end of the year statement. We went online on Alexio and on our database and figured out how much we gave. They probably didn't have that stuff back then anyway. But he says that they had a joy in the process. I want you to catch that. They had a joy in the process, in the act of giving. 
It was in the act of generosity that they experienced joy. You see, I think that sometimes uh, we kind of become someone who's what I would term a reluctant giver. I've been there. There were some times when we were in the midst of some things that we didn't have straight in our finances. And I remember thinking, oh man, this is a have to. And yes, it is an act of obedience. Yes, Malachi 3.10 establishes it. Yes, Jesus confirms it in the New Testament. Yes, it is something that we as Christ followers are, are commanded to do. And yes, it's a have to. But it doesn't have to stop with a have to. It doesn't have to stop with just an act of obedience. When we get to the point that the Macedonian church got to, we can have joy in the act of giving, even when it means that we have to give up something of ourselves or something that's personal to us in the process. We can have joy in the process of giving itself. Look at verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. For they, uh, uh, verse 4, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. There's a group of people who are like, Paul, please, we know that there are more wealthy people out there. We know that there are more wealthy people, but we are so committed to the cause of the spread of the gospel that we are begging, Paul, how do we give? Does this sound like a group of people that are reluctant in their generosity at all? Oh, man, they are extremely excited to be able to be a part of this. And I got to tell you, church, that's the kind of attitude that will result in us as a church being a truly generous church. Being able to, to like, trust God, to, to have this deep and abiding trust when we get around the fact that it's not that we have to give, it is that we get to give, that we have the opportunity to give, that it is a privilege. Oh man, what a privilege it is. If we could only be like the Macedonian church. And the whole reason that Paul was writing this letter inspired by God's Holy Spirit to the church in Corinth was because he understood that maybe they were giving out of reluctance, or perhaps they were giving out of reluctance, or maybe they were giving to the point that they were comfortable in their giving. They hadn't surrendered, they hadn't sacrificed, and so their giving really was just kind of ordinary. God doesn't want us to be people who are generous because we give a lot, but it leaves us comfortable. He wants us to give to the point of sacrifice. And the reason is, is because he understands and he knows what good it has, what joy we receive, what happiness we can have in terms of giving and being generous when we give in that place that we sacrifice. You know, you can be someone who gives a lot of money and not be a generous person. Do you realize that? But that wasn't true of the Macedonian church. And it's not true of you and it's not true of me. When we give to a place and when we give to an extent that we're willing to surrender and we're willing to sacrifice. You see, when all of us are all in 
in terms of this, that, that would, that'll be the time that we're most ready as a church, that we're most prepared as a church to fully accomplish our God-given mission and to realize our God-given vision. That's what All In is really all about. It's us acting like the Macedonian church. It's us being generous when it means that we have to give up something. It means it's us being generous when it becomes uncomfortable. If we're going to be a truly generous church, we have got to completely trust God. You know, a few Sunday nights ago, um, we had a worshiping commitment night. It was kind of the advanced commitment time for those of us who are part of the leadership team here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and many others came, and um, we had a great time together. Uh, we we worshiped together. We ate together. You always got to have food, right? So we had food. We had a good time. Um, but then uh, we had about 20 people who gave their all-in commitment card that night. And uh, we, we had a guy with a camera there, and we asked him, uh, asked some people to go talk to him and, and answer the questions, what is all-in meant to you, and what is Hilton Head Island Community Church meant to you? And I want you to hear some of these answers. Why don't you check out the screens? to me really means that God owns everything and everything about my life is a blessing to him to be part of a church and realize that every person that we meet we can plant a seed or show God's love to so we're real excited about the church and um, about the impact hopefully we'll make on this island and um, just showing people God's love the all-in initiative for me is just a continuation of being able to have this wonderful church. As we thought about generosity relative to all-in, we knew that we had to take a look because it may be time for us to do more. And we know that our Father will always take care of us. When I think about all-in, I think back to my days um, when I used to be an athlete, and our coach used to tell us, if you're going to participate on this team, you better be all in. And I'm really thankful and looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. Uh, we're just so happy to be part of this all in, and we just hope that uh, the church has a 100% participation in it, and we just we just pray and and just wait to see the miracles that God's going to do through this church. It's not only teaching us about um, stewardship for right here and right now, but it's about for our family, our legacy, our generations to come, and learning those principles now and being able to then teach them to know us. So yeah. that's that's huge. Yeah. So All In for us is really a generosity initiative. It's all God's, and everything we own is His. And this really challenges us to ensure that we remind ourselves continuously to give back to Him. He has been so good to us, and we're giving back to Him just a part of what He's blessed us with. When I think about All In, I think about being part of building a church. And so what better thing to invest in than the lives of a community that you love and you live in? So I'm very thankful for the opportunity. As a matter of fact, uh, I put a total obligation at one point and I increased it today as part of the commitment that I plan to make tonight. All In has been such an eye-opener and an education for us. 
and we've taken it really serious. And we're really excited what God has, you know, brought to our hearts to be able to do for the church. You know, just being a part of it at the very beginning is so exciting to us. But then to be a part of the 20 year celebration and to see where we're going to be in 20 years is just going to be awesome. Hey, why don't you thank the people who are on the video? It's not always easy to do that. I'm so thankful many of you are here. Very thankful for that. I love those stories, and, and uh, we had 20 people uh, turn in their commitment cards, and um, we had about $770,000 that were committed that was committed that night uh, among about 20 people, and so we're, that really made a huge impact in terms of our goal of 3.7, but the, the, the greater part of that isn't the, the money specifically. It, it's what God is doing in the lives of people. We had one family that um, chose to give 50% more uh, over the next two years than they did in the two years prior. Another family chose to give, um, they chose to give uh, double uh, what they had given over the, the previous two years. They chose, another family chose to triple it, and one even said that they're going to give five times what they gave in the pr- previous two years. And that's huge, y'all. That's huge. That, absolutely, you can give it. And I've met with many of you one-on-one, and one of the neat things for me as a pastor is I've talked to a few of you who are tithing for the first time. And man, I got to tell you, that is awesome. And I'm so proud, and I'm so excited that your commitment that, you're, you, that you've written down or that you're writing down is going to be to tithe for the very first time. And I cannot wait to see what God does in you and your family's life because of that. That's going to be awesome to see because he promises to provide. But I got to tell you, one of the neatest gifts that was given that night was given by a five-year-old little Claire. And Claire talked to her mom and dad in the days leading up to the advanced commitment night, the worshiping commitment night. And little Claire decided that she doesn't have any money. But five-year-old little Claire decided that she would give the church her favorite book. And so she donated this, The Tale of Peter Rabbit. And Cynthia showed me this that night, and I was all excited because my daughter had been Peter Rabbit in a ballet. But anyway, so I thought that was what it was all about, of course. I'm, all, I'm a guy. I'm always thinking about me. So anyway, so she goes, no, Claire gave this because this is what she had to give. She gave her favorite book. And I got to tell you, that means so much to me. And this book will be something that we keep as a church to remind us of sacrificial giving because someone gave out of something they didn't have the best thing that they had. And I got to tell you, that's meaningful. And if we who are adults can capture Claire's heart in this, it's extraordinary what God will do in this church. It's amazing what he'll do in this church. I know I talk about it a lot. I talk about the fact that we live in a community that's 9% churched. 9% churched. Let that sink in, 9% churched. And so when I give this big, bold, crazy number that there are sometimes in the middle of the night, I wake up and think um, the same thing that some of you have told me. You're crazy. 
I think that to myself. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. $3.7 million over two years doesn't make any sense. But when you think about the fact that we need to be all in for the mission of the church, and that's like $1.7 million of that, that's the operating budget, that's what we're already giving. But that will ensure that we continue to do the things that we're already doing for the spread of the gospel in this area. We've had hundreds of people over the last 10 years accept Jesus as their Savior because of the mission of Hilton Head Island Community Church. All in for the future. All in for the future. To be able to pay this mortgage off, we want to be a church that is not in long-term debt. I don't know about you, but I hate debt. It's crippling, isn't it? And I don't want to leave a legacy of a church that's crippled because of debt. And I want to be all in for the future of the church to pay off this mortgage. And I want to be all in for the future of this church that actually has a lobby. That on a day like today, you don't get blinded when you walk in the front door to the worship center. And that you can have a place where you can feel more welcomed and that there's more place to be able to talk and to to have that other place where we can meet and greet and have our guest service station. And I want to be all in for the future of the church because Hargray is opening the door wide open for the possibility of us being able to uh, get Building B, which is right here, which would give us great visibility on 278. It would give us tremendous space to commit to our community and to have storage for some of our community partners and a place where where, uh, some of the classes can meet uh, that we don't really have great space for now and a place where our, our staff can actually have an office so that you know I can find them uh, that would be great and and you know I feel like God is opening that door and, and, and until he says stop uh, we're gonna we're gonna pursue that but to pursue that we have to pay this off first and that's what all in is all about and then all in is all in for the world because God has given us a tremendous opportunity because we chose to give 10 percent of every Every dollar that comes in here, a dime of every dollar that comes in here goes, and we redistribute that to our partners around the world, here locally. We help people out in the church um, when they may have financial difficulties. And so um, I want to be a church that doesn't give one day just 10%. I want to be a church that gives away 20%. I want, to give a, I want to help uh, down in Belize where we minister uh, with missions trips down in San Ignacio and San Marcos and Billy White. Uh, I, I want to be the kind of church that can go down there and help a young pastor that's already down there by the name of Pastor Kevin, who's a national guy down there, um, help start a church in these villages that get overlooked. Man, the gospel deserves our best. The gospel deserves us being willing to surrender to sacrifice and yeah it's a lot of money but man the gospel is worth it and I got to tell you to God it's a drop in the bucket and he can do it and that's where our trust as a church comes in is he's going to raise every dime for every project that he wants us to do and Hilton Head Island Community Church I believe that I believe that I believe that because of all in, he's going to do great things in your life and in my life. But I believe that because of all in, he's going to allow us as a church to truly do those things that he created us to do and the reason we started this church. If we're going to be a truly generous church, then we're going to have to completely trust God. Today, uh, I'm going to ask our our worship team to come on up here. And uh, I'm going to pray. And um, after I pray, uh, they're going to lead us in one more song this morning.
And um, as they do that, I want to encourage those of you who are regular attenders and members here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, I want to encourage you to take your commitment card. Some of you have brought these in prepared to turn them in today. And, and today is the best day to be able to do that. Some of you aren't prepared to do that, totally understand that. You can turn them in over the next few weeks. This is something that uh, we'll be counting up over the next few weeks to see what God does. I anticipate he's going to do amazing things. And so today over here at the cross, there's a basket right under the cross. There's also a, a, red, uh, a, a red place, a uh, little um, box where you can drop these in. And today, if you're prepared to do that, uh, it's commitment time. It's time for us to fully trust God. Uh, for those of you who I haven't met with, I'm more than happy to continue to meet with you, to talk details about all in, to really see what, see what you can do. And, and here's where I want to challenge you before I pray and before we sing, is what is God calling you to do that causes you to trust him more? What is he asking you to do that's going to cause you to put more faith in him because that's where you're going to see the spiritual growth in your life, just like the Macedonians did. There are many theologians that believe because of their giving, the gospel began to spread into Greece and into the, that area of the world. And that's what can happen in and through Hilton Head Allen Community Church. We can put a huge dent in the population of people who don't have a church home, many of whom maybe have not accepted Christ as their savior. And their eternity is unsure. And that's what we're all about. That's why we go all in. Father God, I thank you for this great opportunity that we have, your people, doing your work. And God, as hard as it is and as much angst and anxiety and fear and even frustration there is around this subject of money and finances, God, you also tell us that we can trust you and that as Cynthia said in the video that we should test you you tell us it's the only thing in scripture that you tell us to put you to the test on and God right now as we come and we bring these commitment cards God I pray that we would test you God I pray that we would trust you I pray that you would deepen our faith and that you would expand the impact that this church can make here locally and around the world. And God, I pray that you would take these cards that we turn in today. And God, not, would you help us to not let it be about us, but God, may it be about you and the spread of your gospel message so that more and more and more people have the opportunity to hear about the hope of heaven that you gave when you sacrificed your son. In fact, if you're here today and um, maybe this whole idea of tithing and giving back to God and generosity is completely foreign to you and you walked in today and maybe your moment of trust is putting your trust in Jesus to be your savior. God's word says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose again from the dead, that you'll be saved. And there are many people in this room who have already put their faith in him. And we know that when we die because of what he did on the cross, that we will spend eternity in heaven. 
And if you're unsure about that and something that was said or sung or you saw today has really, really made an impact and you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. Um, You can pray it silently to God with every head bowed and every eye closed. It's a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you took my sins and you paid the penalty for my sins. And right now, I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. If you pray that prayer today, I want to encourage you during this commitment time for you to come down and talk to Pastor Scott. He's down here near the cross. Or you can come and talk to me. I'm on the other side of the stage. We'd love to pray with you. You can fill out that card and let us know about your commitment to Jesus today. And during this time as we worship, I want to encourage you who are a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church to make these commitments down here at the cross or in the back if you prefer to go and drop them in that red box. Father, we give you our commitment today. God, we give you our level of sacrifice, our level of surrender. God, I pray that you would use it for your good and for your glory. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.